the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And Odyssey. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. But that'll be coming up at 1010 and then at uh, 1110, top of the third and final hour, we're going to talk to uh, Hugh Brown. Hugh Brown did uh, one of the best presentations at Bringing America Back to Life, um, the uh, convention that we had two weeks ago. Has it been two weeks now? Let's see, 10th and 11th. So, yeah, uh, just a little bit over two weeks. Um, but we had a, a great event, and uh, one of the presenters was Hugh Brown. And Hugh is going to join us this morning to talk about the ongoing pro-life efforts that he and his organization are behind and also uh, what we can do to try to push and stop, uh, push back against and stop the ballot initiative that would essentially embed forever into the Ohio Constitution the right to abortion any time, any place, any uh, reason, uh, on demand, without apology, et cetera, not to mention give uh, kids the rights, right to go and uh, undergo permanent uh, bodily mutilation by either chemicals or by actual surgery without parents being able to stop them. And, of course, we're talking specifically about the uh, the bill that it, or the uh, uh, referendum that's going to go on the ballot in November. 
in November to try and uh, force those things through. So we have uh, a very, very big task in front of us, and we're going to be talking about that. That's not where I'm starting today, though. Where I want to start the broadcast this morning is is just, I, 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 I swear on my eyes, and I'm, you know what, I wouldn't do this, uh, well, yes, I would, because I'm being honest. Uh, I almost used the line that um, Tom Patton used when he lied about not uh, uh, about not being part of the coup of 22, the speaker steal of 23, and he said he swears on the eyes of his grandchildren, which, of course, God, God protect them. Uh, because then it turns out he was lying. But um, I'll say something similar here because I'm not lying. I did not know the race of the judge, Cato Cruz, that uh, John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy, uh, stumped with a simple, basic constitutional question. I did know the race of Phil Washington, the FAA nominee, and, and and when I found out the race of the judge and then looked at the race of the nominee, it just it just hit me, like kind of all of a sudden. I didn't know this ahead of time. I swear to that. Uh, I did not know this, but now I come to realize exactly what is happening here. And not that it's a shock, because we knew to some degree what was happening. Let me clarify for you. Joe Biden has made it abundantly clear that he and his administration are favoring diversity and color and sexual orientation and sexual identity, etc., above meritocracy and qualifications in all aspects of his administration. All of them. Not some of them, all of them. And he doesn't care who gets hurt in the process. What do I mean? What's the latest? Well, the reason I bring this up is because of the news story that we just got yesterday came down yesterday, at least I saw it yesterday, maybe it came down on Saturday, but at any rate. Um, Joe Biden's nominee for for, uh, FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, which basically runs the airways, his nominee, a gentleman by the name of Phil Washington, has withdrawn his name from consideration. Another Biden nominee withdraws his name from consideration. And people are saying, well, okay, why? What's the story here? The Federal Aviation Administration, uh, as I say, is in charge of America's skyways. It needs to have a competent, seasoned professional running it. If we are to not have planes running into one another, we already have an incompetent transportation secretary overall, Pete Buttigieg, who was selected because he's gay, period. Point blank, that's it. The same reason Corrine Jean-Pierre was selected because she's black and female and gay. The same reason Sam Brinton was selected to, to help dispose of nuclear waste, for crying out loud, because he's non-binary and he's a man who wears dresses. The same reason Rachel Levine was promoted and given Admiral's uh, position because Richard Levine is a cross-dresser. The same reason Kamala Harris was chosen because Joe Biden made a point before he ran for president that he would choose, he made it public, a black female. The same reason Ketanji Brown-Jackson was chosen from among a massive pool of qualified candidates, but Joe Biden said he would also choose a black female. What you look like matters far more in Joe Biden's world than whether or not you are competent and qualified to do the job. So let's go back to what I'm talking about here. 
Phil Washington got his first assignment of any size and note when he was put in charge of the Denver International Airport less than two years ago in 2021. He's the Denver International Airport CEO, Phil Washington. He had been in that position for less than two years. But Joe Biden needed a new FAA FAA, uh, uh, leader, commissioner, if you will, And so he had to pick somebody. You knew he wasn't going to go with merit or qualifications. It was going to be what you look like. So Phil Washington gets the nod. Phil Washington is an African-American. And Phil Washington has no earthly business being anywhere near the FAA, much less running it. How do I know that? I know that because this is why the Senate has to confirm these extraordinarily important positions. Because during the Senate confirmation process, the senators get to ask questions of the nominee. And when the senators ask questions of the nominee, we find out exactly how qualified or not qualified they are. Ted Budd did the the responsible thing, did the duty, his duty as a uh, senator who had to determine whether or not this man should be confirmed, and he asked him seven basic questions about aviation policy. Remember, this is a position for the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. And this guy is supposed to know all about aviation. Seven questions were asked by Senator Ted Budd, and seven questions were answered this way. So, Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's okay. We'll just keep going. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty important part. So what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. Okay. So what are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under basic med. Senator, I'm not a pilot, so... Uh, but I, obviously you'd ever see the F- Federal Aviation Administration, so um, any, any idea what those uh, restrictions are under basic med, quickly? Uh, well, some of the restrictions I think would be high blood pressure. Uh, some of them would be... It, it's more like how many passengers per airplane, how many pounds okay. in different categories, and uh, what ele- what uh, altitude uh, you can fly under, so... and uh, And then... Uh, amount of knots. It's under 250 knots. So it's not having have anything to do with blood pressure. So can you tell me what causes an aircraft to spin or to stall? Uh, again, Senator, I'm not a pilot. Um, okay, uh, let's keep going. What are the three aircraft certifications the FAA requires as part of the manufacturing process? Quickly, please. Three aircraft certifications. Uh, again, uh, what I would say to that is that one of my first priorities would be to fully implement that Certification Act uh, and report. You know the three types, uh, Mr. Washington. The, the three no. types. Okay. Yeah, that's type certificate, production certificate, and airworthiness certificate. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's just keep going. See if we can um, um, get lucky here. So, can you tell me what the minimum separation distance is for landing and departing airliners during the daytime, Mr. Washington? I don't want to guess on that, Senator. Are you familiar with the difference between Part 107 and Part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards? Unmanned aerial, unmanned like drones, are you familiar with the yes, difference? Yes, yes. Okay, you know the difference between those two, Part 44809 and Part 107? 
Do you know the difference there? No, I cannot uh, okay. spell that out. Okay. You get the point? These are aviation questions that the chair or the commissioner, if you will, of the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, should know. This man is completely and wholly clueless. That's why yet another Biden nominee had to withdraw his nomination because he was exposed for not being qualified. Why did he get selected? Why did he get selected? The same reason that litany of other people that I just listed got selected, because they check a box. Because they check a box in the identity politics survey. Are they a person of color? Are they a person of sexual orientation that is that is uh, that is uh, not straight? Uh, are they of a, of a different sexual or gender identity? Are they female? Are they a combination thereof? Is there intersectionality at play here? That is all that matters to this administration, and I need to bring this out. We need to expose this. Because diversity for the sake of diversity is not a positive, it is a net negative. Diversity for the sake of diversity when merit and qualifications are not considered ahead of diversity is dangerous. And all of these people who are completely, and I mean completely, out of their league when it comes to the jobs that Joe Biden is nominating them for, these are very important jobs these people put people in danger. I mentioned uh, the judge. I told. I started to say I swear that I did not know Judge Cato Cruz. The only person I've ever known named Cato, by the way, was Cato Kalin from the OJ trial. And he was a white surfer dude. I didn't know Judge Cato Cruz was African American when I found out that this Colorado magistrate was put, put before the Senate Judiciary Committee for confirmation to the federal bench. He was going to go from the state bench to the federal bench because Joe Biden chose him. And Senator John Kennedy asked Judge Cruz a very, very basic question about the Constitution that any and every judge should know. Tell me how you analyze a Brady motion. How I analyze a Brady motion? Yes. Uh, Senator, in my uh, four and a half years on the bench, I don't believe I've had the occasion to uh, address a Brady uh, motion in my career. Do you know what a Brady motion is? Uh, Senator, uh, in my time on the bench, I've not had occasion to address that, and so uh, it's not coming to mind at the moment what a Brady motion is. Um, do you recall the U.S. Supreme Court case, Brady v. Maryland? Uh, I do recall uh, the name of the case, the Senator, yes. And what did it hold? I believe that the uh, Brady case uh, in well, Senator, I believe the Brady case involves something regarding the Second Amendment. It is not. I have not had occasion to address that. If that issue were to come before me, uh, I would certainly analyze that Supreme Court precedent uh, and apply it uh, as I would need to to the facts in front of me. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This man that Joe Biden chose to sit on a federal bench mistook the Brady motion, which requires prosecutors to provide all exculpatory evidence to defense attorneys so the defense knows what the prosecution has so they can prepare for it. He confused that with the Brady Bill. The Brady Bill from 1981, for crying out loud. The Brady Bill, which, of course, was uh, named after James Brady, President Reagan's uh, press secretary, who was one of those shot by uh, uh, John Hinckley. 
the Brady Bill, which was indeed gun control. He was right when he said, I believe the Brady uh, 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 precedent uh, had to do with the Second Amendment. No, the Brady Bill did that. The Brady Handgun Violence Protection, uh, Prevention Act that required a five-day waiting period on guns and that federal background checks on gun purchasers. The Brady Bill had nothing to do with the Brady motion that Senator Kennedy was asking him about. And this guy wants to sit on the federal bench. A first-year law student would be able to tell you that. But this guy couldn't. What did he have in common with Phil Washington? The same thing he has in common with so many other members of the Biden administration. They are chosen for what they look like or what their sexual proclivities are or what psychological delusions they may suffer from. They're chosen because of their quote-unquote diversity, not their qualifications. And that is what gets people hurt. In a variety of ways. An FAA guy who doesn't know anything about aviation, anything about the Constitution. Somebody make this make sense. It's 926. Uh, before we hit the break here, uh, Josh, uh, let's go ahead and do our Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, we don't want to let the first half hour go by without that, but I know that upsets a lot of people. So, Patriots, go ahead and stand and face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us. If you are a believer in diversity over qualifications, if you are a believer in appearance and skin color and sex and sexual orientation over merit, well, then you don't understand what this uh, flag represents anyway. You can take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback instead. The rest of us? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Congressman Jim Jordan going to join me after the bottom of the hour news right here on AM 1420 The Answer. Informed among the uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 934, good morning to you once again. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Boy, I'll tell you what, I tweeted something uh, an hour ago or so. And uh, I'm going to talk about this with you here when we, uh, after we're done talking to Congressman Jordan. Um, a new Wall Street Journal and NORC, and I can't—I don't know what the NORC is. I apologize, poll, but it's a new survey. A thousand uh, adults surveyed from March first through the thirteenth about values. Which of these values are very important to you personally? And this is striking. The three—the uh, three values were patriotism, religious faith, and hard work. And what makes it striking is the comparative. Nineteen ninety-eight, seventy percent of Americans valued patriotism. Today. 1998, 62% of Americans valued religious faith. Today, 39%. In 1998, 83% of Americans valued hard work. Today, 67%. And what I tweeted, I'll repeat here, is there any doubt that literally Satan is winning the war for America's soul? That's what has happened over the course of the last... uh, you know, what is that, 25 years-ish or whatever. Uh, pretty striking, pretty unbelievable. Let's welcome uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, and moreover, he is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. In with us this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman, good morning, sir. Good morning, Bob. Good to be with you. 
Yeah, those uh, are I, that's scary. Those numbers you just gave—that's not good. Not a good time. It's 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 remarkable. It really is. I, I I mean, I know that we have changed a lot, and I know there are a lot of challenges before us. We you and I talk about them every every week, and 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 you're working on them every single day. But boy, I'll tell you what—just the attitudes of Americans. You wonder what the impact. What has changed from 1998 to today? What really started to become fully. Um, uh, uh, available to, to Americans in 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001. That was the advent of the Internet and the advent yeah. of social media. And I'll tell you what, it has, I think it has played an enormous role in the, uh, in the degradation of this, uh, of, of this country's values. Well, and too much, too much government. Government keeps growing. People, people rely on government instead of family and faith and hard work, those values that make our country special place that it is and remember last fall there was we talked about this during the campaign but last fall remember there was some survey of done of democrats and they asked democrats do you think america is the greatest country ever and like 50 percent over over half of democrats didn't think america was the greatest nation ever and that sort of fits in with what you just described so yeah that is a problem we uh we got some work to do but um we know your listeners know america is the greatest country ever and they know faith is important freedom is important and certainly hard work is important I always tell young people, I was talking to a group of students the other day, and I said, hard work doesn't guarantee success, but it sure improves your chances, for goodness sakes. Yeah, hard work is is real important as well. Well, you know what? That's a great point, and I would probably follow that up with, but lack of hard work guarantees failure. Hard work doesn't guarantee success, but if you don't work hard, you're guaranteed to fail. And by the way, I wish I was conducting that survey of the Democrats about whether or not this is the greatest country ever. Because for the ones who said, the more than 50% who said no, a follow-up question needed to be asked. And that is, which one was? Name another country at another point in time. Yeah, which let's, one is right? Yeah, yeah, let's let's do this. Was in the past or is today? I you know because since we're saying yeah. ever, I would like to know what country was did more for more people and did more good uh, than the United States of America has for the last uh, uh, two hundred fifty years. Okay, Congressman, let's uh, let's dive in. I want to get the latest on uh, on uh, D. A. Alvin Bragg and his response. Not only his response to your request for information, which could possibly precede testimony before uh, your committee or for the oversight committee or any others. Um, um, his response was basically to thumb his nose to you and say, you don't deserve any answers. I don't owe you anything. We don't respond, and the rule of law in New York isn't uh, supposed to be responsive to your political games on Capitol Hill. That's, of course, a, a large paraphrase. But then you responded back to him. What did you say? Well, we said that we certainly do have a right to look into this. I mean, you're talking about the president, former president of the United States, the guy who's leading in the polls as a candidate for the presidency in the upcoming campaign. Uh the, the federal funds going to your office. This we believe this stems out of the Mueller investigation. We may need to change how the special counsel statute works. There are all kinds of reasons why this is a concern for us. More importantly, there's all kinds of reasons this is a concern for the entire country. Read Kim Strassel's piece in the Journal over the weekend, where she says you're going to have a local prosecutor cross this bridge, cross this this line that's never been crossed in American history where a local prosecutor elected locally. So in a, in a Democrat area where Democrats are, are, are driving the agenda and they're going to, they're going to go after the, the president of the United States and a candidate for the other party, the implications and the concerns of that going, cause it, it'll just be a matter of time before you have some local prosecutor in say Alabama who decides they're going to go after a Democrat candidate for president. We do not want to cross that line. And she makes that point. We make that point in our response to Mr. Bragg. There are all kinds of reasons why this has a federal nexus. And we lay that out. 
um, we'll see what Mr. Bragg does next. You know, it's it's such an important point that you make, too, because this really does. It impacts not just Manhattan. This this affects the United States of America, potentially, as you say, the front runner for the, you know, for his opposition party, if you will, uh, for the nomination uh, is is going to be stained by, you know, something that is obviously unprovable, when, especially when the star witness is a convicted uh, felon who uh, wrote a letter, uh, or actually his, his counsel wrote that letter that said uh, Michael yeah. Cohen, Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels or this whatever her name is, Sarah Clifford or something like that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, $130,000. It had absolutely nothing to do with President Trump or the Trump campaign. No funds were reimbursed. I mean, I don't know what more of a smoking gun that you need. I mean, that's somebody compared it online to, uh, you know, a, a gun found at a murder scene with with DNA all over it. I mean, the case is closed now. Uh, you know, this was this was for Michael Cohen, the chief witness for Alvin Bragg. On who's who lied six times when he came and testified in front of Congress, Michael Cohen, who uh, you know went to went to prison for for uh, for lying. Uh, this is their their star witness, and they are they're alleging that this is a somehow a campaign finance violation. So this be, this might be the first campaign finance violation where campaign funds weren't used. Now think about that. Like <laughs> it's a campaign, but no campaign funds were used in 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 the the this alleged payment and everything that took place. So it's like. This makes no sense. We know it's being done for political reasons. The, the, the Justice Department wouldn't take the case. Cy Vance, the previous district attorney in Manhattan, wouldn't take the case. Alvin Bragg, when he gets elected, wouldn't take the case, wouldn't bring it forward because he knew there was no case. And he only changed his mind when two of his assistants resigned through a fit, re- increased the political pressure that was put on him, and suddenly he changes his mind and says, we're going to do it. So uh, that's what's at stake here. Or that's what's happening here, and the country knows. It's all for politics. Oh, of course it is, 100%. So what, what, I don't know if you want to put odds on it, but but is there a strong likelihood, do you think, that he goes through with this and actually uh, convinces this grand jury to indict, or is this going to be quietly, is it going to quietly go I, away? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I literally, I do not know. And, and, and frankly, I guess I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. I just, I, I don't know what, you know, because he's changed to 180 degrees from where he was when he got elected. First of all, while he's running, he's talking about how he's going to go after Trump, which is a, which is a problem in and of itself. He gets elected, says he's not going to bring the case, and then now here a year later he is. Uh, and then there's been this this wait for the last week and a half. So um, we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see. Congressman, uh, last thing, President, one of Pre- President Trump's uh, uh, responses to this is a tweet, and, and you're being roasted by the left media everywhere for your response to this, too. I want to give you a chance to clarify this. Uh, President Trump tweeted, uh, what kind of person can charge another person, in this case a former president who got more votes than any sitting president in history, leading the Republican, uh, leading, leading candidate for the Republican Party nomination with a crime when it is known by all that no crime has been committed and also known that potential death and destruction in such a false charge could be catastrophic for our country? Who, uh, why and who would, uh, would do such a thing? Only a degenerate psychopath that truly hates America. And of course, he's speaking of Alvin Bragg. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but but for for whatever reason, the left tries to skew everything that Donald Trump says is somehow being an incitement <laughs> to violence. Uh, you know, they, they, we all know what happened at, at this speech on January sixth, peaceful and patriotic. But anyway, the words "potential yeah. death and destruction" are being branded by the left as being an incitement to violence. You were asked by somebody about this, at least if you look up your name online right now, and uh, and you didn't have a, an appropriate response in their eyes. Well, what I, is I your response well, to that? Well, the, the, when the, the person asked about it, I hadn't even seen what, what was said. They, they, they're like, well, here it is, right? And they hold it in front of me. I, didn't, I, I couldn't even 
read it. So, uh, I mean, look, the, the left is always going to go after President Trump for anything and everything he says. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, you, you know, I always come back to, I remember Joe Biden standing in front of Independence Hall and talking, calling half the country fascist. Um, you know, that, that was, uh, certainly not the kind of, I, I know we talked about it on this, on this show when, when Mr. Biden did that. So, look, we don't want any type of violence to happen. We, we, uh, we all understand that. But I, I do think President Trump is right when he says this, that Alvin Bragg is doing this for political reasons, and this is not the right thing to do. You know, what you just said is so true. They're going to go after Trump for virtually anything and everything. And we can almost say the same thing for you. And that's how you know you're over the target. You are a threat. Comer is a threat as well. I mean, virtually everybody who is in this now House, uh, GOP-controlled House, I should say, who is calling for oversight, who is indeed threatening subpoenas, who indeed is doing the investigations that should have been done, you know, in the last Congress, you, you're a very dangerous person to them. You, you're drawing almost as much fire as President Trump does which means you're probably doing something right. I mean, I, I, at least I hope you're right. Well, it's funny. You, mean, you, you mentioned uh, I, I didn't even know people were uh, you, you know, uh, coming after me for, for something I did or didn't say there. I didn't even know that because I've gotten to the point, Bob, where I don't <laughs> read a whole lot of the press because there's always someone saying something that's uh, about me that is not true. Uh, it's just sort of part of the deal now. So the best thing to do is just do your job. Do what you told the American people you're going to do. Do what I told the voters in the 4th District I was going to do. And um, and try to get facts and the truth to the American people. And then once we get the facts out there, look at how we can we can change things legislatively. How we can use the power of the purse and the appropriations process to change things, so that these agencies that we think are targeting the American people, um, turning on the very people they're supposed to serve, so that that doesn't happen in the future. And that's that's what we're trying to do. It seems like, as you point out, um, we, we get attacked every day. So I you do. Try you do. And I, and I was doing a simple search to see what your letter said, because I knew that you guys had written the letter yeah. back to Alvin Bragg. So when I typed in Jim Jordan in my search engine, which is not Google, by the way, uh, I refuse to use that. Um, you know, the uh, just the litany, all of the results immediately were attacking Jim Jordan about not not responding <laughs> to the death of George Church. Yeah. It's just, you know, like I said, it's expected. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, cool, it's crazy. It's it's, okay. Sometimes uh, you just get, have to laugh, because you get it, too. Sometimes you just got to laugh, like, oh. I'm like, can we just like focus on the facts here instead of everyone's like gotcha and all this stuff? It's just so stupid and all the lies. So let's just let's just try to do something that's going to help the country. Yeah, I, I com- completely yeah. concur. And you're right. I get it on a much smaller scale than you do, but I get attacks for supporting you, for defending you, for sure. sharing some of the same values and ideas that you do and, and going on the radio and talking about them. There was a hit piece on uh, another another conservative and myself uh, in, the, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. I mean, so, yeah, I'm used to it to an extent, uh, but yep. I don't know how you get used to it, man, because what you and Trump uh, particularly endure is, is, is pretty astounding. Um, Congressman, I want to ask you about uh, this tweet from President Biden over the weekend. MAGA House Republican proposals would slash funding for border security, a move that could allow nearly 900 pounds of fentanyl into our country. We need more resources to secure the border, not less. Now, I know he doesn't tweet because I know he can't possibly even uh, manipulate uh, a little keyboard on a phone. Uh, but his staff tweets for him or his interns tweet for him or whatever. Yeah. I, the, the, I, I'm just astounded by that one. I mean, you talk about uh, you know, being beyond the pale. What is your response? No, possible. I, I mean, this guy who's presided over 26 months of the worst situation. We had, a, we had a Border Patrol agent when he testified in Yuma at a field hearing say the best the border, or excuse me, in a, in a hearing here in Congress, uh, Border Patrol, uh, uh, actually a sheriff, and he testified said the best the border's ever been was was uh, three years ago under President Trump. The worst it's ever been is what it is now. 
So and now, now he's going to say this. I, I have no idea what he's talking about. Literally, no idea what he's talking about. I don't know that he has an idea what he's talking about on the, on this border situation. So, um, you know, go go figure. What, what I do know is the budget that we're putting forward as conservatives says we probably shouldn't keep spending at this ridiculous record rate of spending we've seen under Joe Biden during the COVID years and all the Democrat spending that that the company that and other areas as well. So, so if you if you're going to try to bring spending under control, somehow you're going to hurt the border, the very border that he's presented over that is now the most porous border. More uh, five over five million illegal migrants have come across in 26 months. It makes no sense. And again, I think the American people are smart. I think they have common sense. I think they know that statement makes no sense from the president. Yeah, no, I completely concur. And, um, you know, Chief Raul Ortiz of the Border Patrol uh, uh, Agency or Council, I guess it is, um, you know, stated uh, before Congress last week that uh, uh, we do not have operational control of the border. We do not have it. Yep. It's our border yep. and we do not control it. The cartels do. And that's an astounding statement. And Joe Biden wants to claim Republicans are trying to weaken it. Uh, let me move on to, to another uh, familiar topic. You and I have discussed many times parents, parents' rights. Uh, the Parents' Rights Act was passed. The Parents' yep. Bill of Rights, I guess I should say. Um, and, and it was 213 to 28, very, very narrow, even more narrow than the majority that the Republicans have in mm. the House. That means some Republicans voted against the Parents' Bill of Rights Act, and yep. every Democrat does. How do you respond to the fact that so many, including every single Democrat, do not believe that parents have the rights to have a role in their kids' educations? No, it's, 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 uh, it is truly frightening. They, they do believe that government should be decided. Just like Terry McAuliffe said in that gubernatorial race, uh, two years ago, they think, they don't think parents should be telling government what schools teach. I mean, he literally said that statement. <clears throat> now it was interesting because I think that the left thought that was going to help him that race, help Terry McAuliffe be the governor of Virginia, when in fact it backfired and a bunch of moms and dads says, no, 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 we actually think we're better at determining what kind of education our kids should get. Uh, after all, we know our child's name, for goodness sake, versus some bureaucrat in Richmond, Virginia, or some bureaucrats in D.C. So uh, it is frightening to think about that. That's where where today's left is. Now, the handful of Republicans voted no. They voted no for federalism reasons. They they, they think we shouldn't, which I get that argument, frankly. And it's it's uh, a bunch of my uh, – those guys were some of my, my conservative buddies who said we shouldn't be in the business of education at all. And really what we need, Bob, to ultimately fix the education system is, is complete school choice. In fact, I've said in, I've said in interviews, I've said on TV interviews, don't vote for anyone who's not for school choice because th- that is such a fundamental. Let moms and dads figure out where their son or daughter is going to get the best education. Let the money follow that their, their the, 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 that that student to that school. That is the best approach. But um, yeah, that the Democrats all voted no and said some of the things they said during the debate um, is is scary. Well, yeah, you know, here's one of them. Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader, said extreme MAGA Republicans don't want the children of America to learn about the Holocaust. And they want to ban a book called Melissa, a book describing in personal terms the experience of a trans girl beginning to understand her identity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, first of all, I've never heard of anybody who didn't teach the Holocaust or want to teach the Holocaust. Right. It's more part of world history, part of American history, and so forth. And as far as the other stuff, it's not about the content, or excuse me, it's not about the topic, it's about the content. If the to- content is is inappropriate in nature in terms of being either pornographic by by desi- by uh, description by definition by uh by by writing or by illustrations if you have pornographic content i don't care if it's about trans or if it's about you know straight people it doesn't matter Porn- pornography and pornographic content is inappropriate for school shelves and libraries always has been why on earth are they arguing that well and they always talk about banning books there is a big difference between 
banning books and, and age-appropriate literature. And that's what we're talking about here. Like, there, there lots of parents are going to say, oh, "I want, I want my my our, our our son or daughter to get the the right kind of education, learn about important issues and history and everything else." But there's a time for certain things, and what what you're going to teach a second grader is different than what you're going to teach a tenth grader, for goodness sake. And we all sort of understood that. We used to all used to have common sense, but now the left wants to equate it all. Oh, you're banning books. No, there's age-appropriate material. For kids in grade school, and that is different than kids in college and high school and everything. I was like, give me a break. So I'm so sick of that. We had that debate uh, last week in a, in a committee hearing where we were talking about what, what happened with the whole school boards issue um, in the Democrat witness. So, yeah, there's a big difference between uh, book banning is not the same as age-appropriate literature. And no one's for banning books, but what we are uh, for is the right kind of information for, for kids at the right time. I think that's the best statement I've heard on this. Book banning is not the same thing as age-appropriate literature. And there is no age that is appropriate, quite frankly, even through high school for pornography to be in the uh, on, on the shelves. Sure. And I have pictures, Congressman Jordan, in some of the books that are being quote-unquote banned, that are being restricted, which they should be, that are absolute pornography. There is no, dis- no there's, there, there's not a matter of interpretation. It is just flat-out pornographic images designed to try to teach kids how to engage in these activities, particularly if you are same-sex attracted it's uh it's gay pornography being promoted by schools and it is simply something parents absolutely have a right to say so the parents rights act being passed is uh extraordinarily important uh there's no question congressman jim jordan i thank you for your time as always sir you bet, good work we'll talk to you soon you too thank thanks you. that's jim jordan on am 1420 the answer it's 954 speaking of the books and what the left calls book banning or book burning uh, that Congressman Jordan just correct. I've never heard it phrased exactly that right, the, the right uh, that way. I should say, but it's the right way. Uh, age appropriate literature. That's what we're talking about here. Age appropriate literature, literature, and pornography is not age appropriate literature in any way. And if you think I'm exaggerating on on the pornography word, uh, which the Cleveland.com tried to do. Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer wrote this piece about my next guest. It included some comments about me in it from my previous interview with Dakota. Uh, you know, they're using pornography, the word pornography, as if I'm exaggerating it, as if it's not pornography. I have actual illustrations from the books that we are talking about that we are trying to get pulled off of shelves that will show you literal pornographic sex scenes that are supposed to be kept on, uh, on kids' shelves in schools because it will help them feel more inclusive or included, if you will. It's unbelievable. Anyway, Dakota Sawyer and I are going to talk more about that after the top of the hour. I'll be back. I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. It's the 27th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Thanks to Congressman Jim Jordan joined us last uh, segment. If you missed it, you can hear it on the podcast, which will, will be uploaded about an hour after the show ends today, around one o'clock. So make sure you check back for that if you missed anything. 
Congressman Jordan and I uh, wrapped our conversation by talking about the Parents' Bill of Rights Act, which was passed in the House very narrowly. It probably will not pass the Senate. Uh, but it is, uh, it's an important bill that allows parents to have a say in what their children are taught and what their children are exposed to, more specifically. Um, pornographic content. This is all part of the quote-unquote book banning, as the left likes to call it, which is nothing more than trying to promote age-appropriate literature, quoting Congressman Jordan. And he's exactly right, of course. They're trying to say that we're trying to ban books because we're fascists. And we're not trying to ban books. We're trying to ban pornography from classrooms. We're trying to ban grooming of young children by way of promoting deviant lifestyles and gender identity changes, transitions which used to be reserved for the less than one-half of one percent of the population that actually suffered from something called gender dysphoria. used to be gender identity disorder. But now it's a popular trend, and people are uh, are pushing and promoting the idea to kids. Become something else. Is the new, um, you know, is the new hotness, if you will. And so, what many are trying to do, including Ron DeSantis down in Florida, who is taking all kinds of heat for it, it's not about book banning and it's not about book burning. It's about age appropriateness and materials with pornographic images and or descriptions are seriously not age appropriate for any grade prior to college. That's right. There aren't pornography books or magazines on the racks in your high school library, are they? Are there? The answer is no, because it is not age-appropriate even there. Much less in the middle school, primary school, elementary school, classrooms, bookshelves, or anywhere else. So one guy who knows this very, very well is Dakota Sawyer. Dakota is... uh, a 19-year-old activist who is working very, very hard. He's, in fact, run for office already now at the age of 19, ran for the State House. He's uh, running the American Union PAC. He went down to Columbus a few weeks ago and talked to the Ohio Board of Education about these books and about these materials and about how dangerous they are for kids in an effort to try to open the eyes of some of the uh, state legislators. And uh, he has taken that a step further now and now is reaching out to the executive office. Not the governor, but the governor's wife. Now, we interviewed uh, Dakota about this last week, and he's back now to defend himself because of the response to that. Uh, Dakota, sorry, good to have you back, my friend. How are you, young man? Good to be on, Bob, always. Dakota, by the way, is also the uh, co-host of the Monday Night Roundtable, which you can hear tonight. So just let's throw that out there, too. So, Dakota... Um, you know, obviously, we covered this pretty well last week when uh, we were trying to exp- explain to people what this letter to Fran DeWine was all about. But for those who missed that interview, why don't you go ahead and uh, just give a quick explanation of what the letter to Fran DeWine was about and why you chose, uh, and those who countersigned it, including myself, uh, chose to send a letter to the First Lady of the State of Ohio. Yeah, uh, really, what the letter entails is that we're asking the First Lady for her and her husband, the governor, uh, to uh, help us in calling for the removal of pornographic books from public schools, uh, saying that they they don't have a place in public schools, that we should be, uh, in a sense, removing pornography from public schools, and uh, saying that we're not going to expose minor children to pornography in schools, because that's not the place for it. Um, And so the letter 
outlines uh, why we think that uh, and, wa- and examples of some of these books, along with the letter, uh, was sent a copy of one of the books, Gender Queer, uh, which is mentioned in the letter, uh, and I sent her a full, uh, full physical copy of the book along with that letter uh, so that she can actually look at what is, what is being peddled in public schools across Ohio. Uh, so the letter, you know, thanks her for, you know, being involved in children's literacy, but it asks her to use her platform that she's built up uh, since uh, their first day in office using uh, her platform with children's literacy to call for the removal of pornographic books from public schools. Uh, and it also urges that her husband gets involved in this, too, uh, because uh, we, we saw last week after I had interviewed that the governor announced his uh, children's literacy uh, uh, scholarship uh, in the Children's Literacy Challenge uh, by executive order uh, that he started. Uh, and so it puts the governor and the first lady into the position of that uh they have the perfect platform at this moment to call for the removal of pornographic books from public schools. And we had over 30 signatures sign on to this letter, uh, and that was sent to the First Lady. Okay. So that's a little bit of a backgrounder there. Um, By the way, with respect to the book Gender Queer, um, because that's the one you focused on and sent her a a physical copy of, um, do we have any idea how many school districts have that particular book on their shelves in one school or another uh, in their districts? We don't have a full, accurate count of how many school districts, because when when we were looking at the school district books, we only looked at 150 out of 613 school districts in the state of Ohio. We wanted to take a sample size, and in that, we found that gender queer appeared in uh, about 25 school districts across Ohio, uh, one of them being uh, Delaware uh, City School Districts, uh, as well as uh, as other districts across Ohio, uh, is where we found gender queer, um, and it was actually very uh, accessible where we could find those books in the public schools because they had their library catalog put online for anybody to search upon. <laughs> well, they haven't gotten around to hiding it yet, the way Florida has. Uh, uh, Florida, of course, uh, is is maybe the flashpoint for all of this because Governor DeSantis and the Florida Board of Education are doing everything they can to ban these uh, materials from Florida schools. And Florida schools have been warned by the LGBTQ activists who are pushing these things to clear their shelves, hide all of the books that you have so that when the investigators come in, they can't find gender queer or flamer or let's talk about it, any of the other uh, pornographic slash gender uh, 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 expression, expressive books are, are, you know, are, are there. So they're trying to, uh, they're trying to hide them. So I'm glad, uh, that we know at least some of the the districts that you're talking about haven't figured that out yet and are putting actually the uh, uh, their lists online of what they have. So Dakota, let's respond now. We're talking to Dakota Sawyer to this uh, Cleveland.com, and I don't know if it made it into the hard copy of the Plain Dealer. I don't know if anybody even gets a hard copy of the Plain Dealer anymore, but it was on Cleveland.com. Uh, and it uh, talks about your letter, and it talks about uh, reaching out to Fran DeWine, and it doesn't do so in a positive way for you. They paint this and portray this as being some sort of a vendetta against trans people or against the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. Uh, they brag about the award-winning memoir, Gender Queer, that you were just talking about right now. They speak about it in glowing terms, despite the evidence of 
pure, unadulterated, graphically depicted pornography on those pages. Um, what was your response to what you saw? I, I, I think this is just another hit piece uh, by the very plain dealer, as I like to call it. Uh, it and it... it it, it even, I mean, they even admit that these books are pornographic. In the article, uh, here's a quote. Uh, Envision had described as an adult man recounting a sexual encounter he had in the fourth grade with another fourth grader. I mean, they admit that the books that I have provided to them are pornographic, that they contain sexual acts. And, and uh, you know, we get this whole idea of, oh, well, these are award-winning books. You know, Bob, if you write a book, I could give you an award, and you know, if I write a book, you can give me an award, and we can call it award-winning. That doesn't make that doesn't change the fact of these are pornographic books, uh, and to even to respond to what uh, the uh, policy director for Equality Ohio has said, this is uh, they call it a coordinated attempt to erase the stories of young LGBTQ people. No, this is a this is an attempt to remove porn pornography from public schools uh in the gender queer book if you were to take those images and put it in a playboy magazine they still wouldn't be allowed in public schools exactly. i mean this is absolutely ridiculous because they're award-winning and that it's a memoir you know if you made 50 shades of gray a memoir you wouldn't still allow that into public schools no you're 100 percent right and it's very interesting that the public policy director you're talking about who was quoted in the uh, Plain Dealer article said what you just pointed out, part of a coordinated attempt to erase the stories of young LGBTQ people, um, they don't address the fact that if these were stories about straight sex, a memoir of somebody's straight sexual activities, it still would be inappropriate. You would still be writing to stop it. I would still be on the radio airwaves encouraging legislators and, and school administrators and school board members to stop it. It is not about LGBTQ. It is about all pornographic, sexually explicit language or images, which they have. And Dakota, the problem is there just aren't any for straight sex. And I shouldn't say that's the problem, meaning the problem with their argument is because it just so happens that all, and this is how they quoted me correctly, all of the, the pornographic images that are included in books that are on school shelves today in the state of Ohio are gay porn, or they, they're, they're same-sex porn, or they're same-sex exploratory porn. And that's just the reality of it. None of it is, and that's why this uh, this advocacy director or public policy director can say they're coming after our LGBTQ kids. No, it only looks that way because the only porn that's in there is LGBTQ porn. If it was straight porn, we'd be coming after that too, right? Exactly. And, and you know, it, it, they put it that, well, you know, it, it creates an environment that people can't even share their own story. No, we're, we're, what we say is that we're allowing you to share your story. You just can't do it in a sexual nature uh, to children, that you can't put pornography in it and expect it to be okay because, oh, it's, it's your story. No, that's not, that's not how this works. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's interesting. The first time I ever saw these quotes, uh, was from when I was reading the Plain Dealer article after it was published. Uh, I didn't even get a chance to respond to these, uh, to what, uh, was said by the public policy director for Equality Ohio. I was not able, uh, to give a rebuttal to that. Normally that's what 
papers are supposed to do. You know, I come out with a claim, somebody, uh, you know, challenges it, and then I would rebut. That's, you know, that's not normally how this would go, but they didn't even give me a chance to respond to it. And they and they call it an attack by the entire right wing network. I say that this isn't a right or left thing. This is common sense. This is about removing pornography. And and I think all parents could be able to agree with this that we should remove pornography from public schools. But the problem is, as you know, uh, you know, and this is the reason they feel comfortable writing this stuff is there are a lot of parents who don't. They don't agree. They they follow, they believe what the authors of these books like Gender Queer and Let's Talk About It and The Sun and Her Flowers and Milk and Honey and Homebody uh, uh, and Flamer, all of these books, they believe that it's right to push this LGBTQ agenda on kids because... It's inclusive, and it might make some kid who is questioning about his own sexuality, his own sexual attraction, orientation, or identity, it might make them look in there and say, hey, I, I want to do that too. And in that, and to those people, Dakota, and this is what makes this so sick and perverse, they think that justifies exposing all, thousands and thousands and thousands of Ohio high school students, or excuse me, Ohio school students from K through 12 to pornography. Just on the off chance that it might make some kid who's got some issues, some psychological issues to deal with, feel better. And, and, and exactly right, Bob. And, you know, the one thing that I've noticed in this article is what they don't respond to is the fact that I cited state law that would make these books illegal, uh, that, that these books are illegal. They're showing... Uh, they're showing obscene material to minor children, and that's what these librarians and teachers are doing that makes these types of books illegal in public schools. It violates Ohio Revised Code. Uh, and one thing uh, that would get these off these shelves is prosecution. If one prosecutor, one brave prosecutor in the state of Ohio was to prosecute a school district for this or sue them, these books would fall off the shelves because every teacher in Ohio would not want to do put their put their license at risk to be able to teach you're you're exactly right dakota we're talking to to uh, dakota sawyer he is uh of course the uh, uh leader of the american union pack and uh he's an activist who's working very hard to try to remove pornography from the schools and from the libraries and uh last thing is you know they go on to Talk about Dolly Parton because you obviously in the letter to Fran DeWine mentioned, obviously, you know, that's what uh, Fran DeWine is, has been involved with. Uh, so they say, by the way, at the end, Dolly Parton was a strong supporter of LGBTQ rights, as if to suggest, Dakota, that Dolly Parton would be pro-pornography in schools. Because that's literally what the the only reason they would have to throw this in there to say that Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, uh, you know, uh, is you know, representative of a person Dolly Parton who is pro LGBTQ. You can be pro LGBTQ all you want. You just can't promote pornography in schools. Exactly, and that's what I would say is that Dolly Parton may be pro LGBTQ rights, but uh, she may be anti pornography in public schools. I mean, this is something I'd be that- willing to bet it. I'd be willing to bet on it. She's a God-fearing woman. She is a very, very staunch and strong uh, family values person, is Dolly Parton. I guarantee you, if she were to be asked, uh, that she would say she opposes the idea of pornography in schools. Exactly. And, you know, Bob, this is exactly what we're going to tell at our press conference at the State House on Thursday when we have all these reporters in the room. Once they're trying to write their hit piece that, look, this is this is a common sense issue to remove pornography from public schools. We don't have Hustler, we don't have Playboys on the rack in public schools. Why should we allow this? Because oh, 
it's a quote unquote award winning book. That's that doesn't excuse pornography. Yep, that's that's exactly right. So, Dakota, I know you're going to spend a lot more time on this in your entire program tonight on the Monday Night Roundtable, and I'm glad you are. Um, uh, any chance that you're going to reach out to uh, Jake Zuckerman? I, I can guarantee you we are. I've already uh, asked my producers to reach out. He's the one who wrote this uh, hit piece. Uh, see if uh, see if he'll actually interview you rather than uh, just going by what you, what was stated in your letter. Yes, and I, uh, we're, we're planning on reaching out, and I know that he will be there at our press conference on Thursday. Uh, so we are hoping that, you know, he uses this as an opportunity to actually ask some questions and allow people to respond to, you know, attacks that, you know, whatever Equality Ohio wants to promote to actually give us an opposing view to that uh, and to actually uh, give us a, a chance to defend ourselves here. That's exactly, that's all, that's all you ask, is, is, is equal time to express and explain this is not about being anti-LGBTQ anything. It is about being anti-pornographic imagery and sexual promotion and grooming of sexual lifestyles to children at a very inappropriate age. That's what this is all about, and they, uh, they need to know it. Uh, Dakota Sawyer, Dakota, thank you for doing what you're doing. I appreciate you coming on to respond to this. Uh, keep us posted, and uh, obviously I'll be working on getting Mr. Zuckerman on this program as well. Thank you very much, Dakota. All right. Thank you, Bob. You got it. 1027. We'll be back. From the depravity of the radical left, always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right. Um, here's what I'm going to do. 1034, by the way. Thanks again to Dakota Sawyer. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Josh, who is running our board today, to be quick on the draw in the event that something inappropriate sneaks out of this video in audio form. I think it's clean. I checked it all myself, but I don't trust myself either uh, that I may miss something. So... There's a video that I'm going to play right now for you that obviously you will only hear on the radio in audio form, but that's okay because it'll give the descriptors um, of what I'm talking about. Obviously, this is related to what Dakota Sawyer and I just discussed, which is the you know uh, proposed ban on pornographic images and descriptions and uh, uh, sexual experimentation and so forth that is on the shelves of too many Ohio schools. If it's on the shelves of 25 districts out of the 613, that's 25 too many. Critics of Dakota's and of mine, and here's, here's what they wrote on in the uh, Plain Dealer about me, my portion of this. Signed on to the letter are prominent right-wing radio hosts Bob France, former state school board members Lisa Woods and Kirsten Hill, Dayton Right to Life President Margie Christie, and several local school board members and Republican State Central Committee members. France hosted Sawyer on his radio show earlier this week. He called the strategy of targeting Fran DeWine a smart move, given she has her husband's ear. Quote, they are all sexual in nature, and they are all gay sexual in nature, he said of the books. They're not teaching little boys and girls how to make babies. They're talking about how little boys can be with other boys and feel good about it, as uh, and girls with girls and so on and so forth. It's all very deviant and very perverse. It's, it's, it's not a 100% accurate quote. It's close enough, though. 
I did describe the fact that all of the sex that is in the books that we are talking about is gay sex, or it's gay experimental sex, or it's experimental in, in, a, in a number of other ways, which is very deviant. Of course, deviant means to deviate from, which is to deviate from the norm, which means it's, it's, it's not normal. That's not a slur. That's a legitimate word. It's deviant, and it is perverse. Now, that one is a little stronger, and it is indeed perverse. When you see and hear some of what I'm about to share with you, you will understand, and you will agree that it is indeed perverse. And that you will also agree, I'm fully confident, that it is age-inappropriate for school children. Now, what I'm about to play for you is a video that was played in Florida during a press conference by Governor Ron DeSantis, who was trying to answer his critics, who call him a book burner and a book banner, for trying to take the same books that Dakota and I were just talking about off of the bookshelves, out of the schools, out of the school libraries, and so forth, because they are wholly inappropriate for for kids, for any minors, really, under 18, but particularly provided in, in taxpayer-funded public schools. So Governor DeSantis played this video, and this, this press conference was being covered by some reporters, including at least a couple of television stations who were carrying it live. Guess what those television stations had to do? They had to cut away, because the material that the video depicted in the books that are on the shelves for the kids was so graphic that it was indecent and inappropriate for television. You you following this? And I want every leftist who is listening right now, I want Jake Zuckerman of Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. And by the way, Jake, you have an open invitation to discuss this with us. I'm asking my producers to, producers to reach out to you. But um, the, if the materials are too graphic to be shown on television, how on earth can they be okay and appropriate for your children? How should 5, 6, 8, 12, even 14-year-olds have access to this if it's inappropriate for TV? They had to cut away. These are not materials that are sold in an adult bookstore. These are materials materials that are presented and made available to little kids in school libraries. So I'm going to play this. The audio is fine, I believe. Like I said, I've I've, I've checked it once and twice, and it should be fine, but in the event that there is a curse word, now I'm not going to drop or dump anything that is descriptive of the actual things that are in the book, unless there is a profane word. But you're going to hear words here, and I'm just going to tell you point blank. This is not an attempt to um, excite or titillate, as the word goes, But this video slash audio that the governor of the state of Florida played for the assembled press does contain language that you probably don't want to hear. It's going to contain references to things like ejaculation. It's going to contain references to things like anal sexual activity. And these are the things that are being promoted to children in the schools. This is what we're pushing back against. So I want you, this is about two and a half minutes long. I want you to listen to, and what it is, just so I can let you know what you're about to hear, is this is a description of some of the books that are on the shelves. The books called Gender Queer, Flamer, Let's Talk About It, The Sun and Her Flowers, Milk and Honey, Homebody, 
All of these books are the ones that are in, on the shelves, and the governor wanted everybody to know, this is what we're trying to, to, to uh, uh, restrict from, from our schools, that these far leftists call book banning and book burning and uh, uh, an attack on LGBTQ and so on and so forth. So uh, here you go. Almost here we go. Now here we go. Teachers who display or give a student a book deemed unallowed could face up to five years in prison. You heard that right. Five years in prison for handing a child a book. The law requires books to be free from pornography, instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade, and discrimination in a way that an individual by virtue of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin is inherently racist or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Fact one, here are the books parents found in Florida schools and reported to their school districts for removal. What was found is shocking, graphic, and not appropriate for children. Flamer by Mike Curato was found in Broward, Collier, Hillsborough, Marion, Seminole, and Volusia County schools. The camp the boys go to in the book has an island that the book says looks like a frying pan, but we're all certain it looks like a balls. It also contains a shower scene with a group of boys where a young man gets an erection. Another where a boy watches porn and asks, why is there so much hair? While noting that those are so big, and if none of this causes you to pause, there's another section where a group of boys masturbate together and are pressured to ejaculate into a bottle. Are these ideologically driven, driven books an appropriate use of taxpayer money? Let's Talk About It by Erica Moen and Matthew Nolan was found in a Broward County school and contains graphic depictions of how to masturbate for males and females while also including an entire section for anal sex with an encouragement to use a butt plug. Even more startling is the guide on how to sext for children, encouraging them to send photos that don't include your face, hide your birthmarks and scars, and edit out your piercings and tattoos. Books by Rupi Kaur, such as... Stop right there just to make sure you understand that. And by the way, I'm unfortunately forced to see the graphic images that go along with the graphic descriptions that you're hearing. Because this is all part of the video, again, that, that Governor DeSantis played for the assembled media in Florida to explain and defend their decision to ban these from Florida schools. And the left criticizes them for doing. Um, the images are grotesque. Okay? The images that are in these books that are on the shelves are worse than the descriptions you just heard. But to underscore what you just heard, um, that last one is one of the most dangerous things that you can even, can even imagine. This is the kind of thing that leads children into the grips of sexual predators, molesters, deviants. We're talking about sexting. This book that is on Ohio and Florida and, and other schools' bookshelves encourages children to sext, which means text nude photos of themselves, perhaps doing things to themselves. And then it tells them how to do it while remaining anonymous, hiding your face, 
covering up any uh, scars or, or identifying birthmarks or tattoos or anything that you might have. They're encouraging kids to sext to other people. The problem is you don't always know who's on the other end of the sext. My TV show that I do for True Blue, it's called True Blue Today, we feature ongoing <clears throat> takedowns with Chris Hansen of sexual predators who start sexting back and forth with kids. The kids think that they're sexting another kid, uh, and what they're sexting is somebody who is grooming them and then planning to meet with them and then assault them, sexually assault them. Children should not be sexting anybody, and they're being encouraged to in books that are on school shelves. You understand how dangerous that is? I hope you do. Your piercings and tattoos. Books by Rupi Kaur, such as Homebody, Milk and Honey, and The Sun and Her Flowers, have been found in 15 schools. Homebody says masturbation is meditation and speaks about how the writer wants someone to look me in the eyes when you're down there eating for your life. These books are clearly not just conversation starters about the birds and the bees. They are pushing an agenda. Gender Queer was found in Orange, St. Lucie, and Hillsborough County schools and is a graphic novel depicting masturbation and encouraging trans surgery by equating the scars from top surgery, the cutting off of females' breasts, with a tattoo. If you can't discuss these things in a school board meeting without them cutting you off because everyone is so offended by the graphic depiction of sex that you are giving in either word or illustrative form, then how can you possibly justify these being on the shelves and made available to children? That was the point that Ron DeSantis made by showing this video to the assembled press. That was the point. The press was so disgusted by it, they had to turn their cameras off. They had to cut away. But Democrats think this stuff should be left on shelves and in libraries. Why? Because, well, well, you know, it's, it's, it's PD, it's, it's, it's LGBTQ friendly. It's inclusive. It makes trans kids feel better. It makes LGBTQ kids feel better. So who cares? What kind of an impact it has on their preformative minds? Well, who cares what it does to young kids who have no business being exposed to this sort of pornography at that age? Who cares as long as it makes a couple of other kids feel good? And is this world just completely flipped upside down? How could anybody with a functioning cerebral cortex look at that, listen to what I just played for you, and say, those are fine? What's wrong with you, Nazi? Why are you trying to ban books, fascist? Why can't kids be exposed to this stuff and decide for themselves? This is what they're arguing. I've got nut jobs on Facebook responding to my posts about this stuff, calling me fascist, Nazi, and homophobe, and transphobe, and everything else. I said, I'm not any obe. I'm not any phobe, and I'm not any ist. I don't think pornography is appropriate for children. And the fact that, as I said and was quoted in The Plain Dealer for saying on the air, that all of the pornography that is being displayed in these books 
is gay pornography is not my fault. You see, there's there's gay pornography on bookshelves in schools and libraries. And the critics who want to come at me for opposing that are focusing on the gay part and not the pornography part. You understand? I'm not opposing the gay part. I'm opposing the pornography part. And if it was straight pornography, if there were images of males and females doing the things that males and males are doing in these books, I would be just as offended and outraged, and I would be on the radio being responsible and saying, pull this stuff off of our public school shelves. It's just that simple. They want to turn this into a, a, an identity politics issue, an attack on LGBTQ youth. It is not about LGBTQ youth. It is about all youth. And the por- por- pornography that we are decrying as being inappropriate is all pornography. It's not our fault that it just so happens that all of the pornography on display here happens to be gay pornography or trans pornography or whatever other de- deviant things that I just described for you. But you heard the, 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 the narrator in the video. In the one book, Group of Boys together masturbating and being encouraged to ejaculate into a bottle. You think that's appropriate, whether they're gay or straight boys? Does it matter? Is that appropriate, yes or no? Let's talk about it. Features graphic depictions on how to masturbate for males and females, or maybe undecideds as well, a full section of that book on anal sex, a guide on how to sext for kids, how to send sex pics of yourself without identifying information. And then you got the ones that, at the end there, they were talking about with Rupi Kaur uh, uh, or, or whatever, describing all of the benefits of these deviant sex acts, and gender queer is the worst of all of them. And Dakota said it was on at least 25, in at least 25 school districts, available to kids. They have it online. It's listed as being available. Hey, you want to see a, <clears throat> you want to see a book that features a whole bunch of pictures of, of deviant sexual activity with instructions on how to do it yourself? Pull out gender queer from your, uh, from your school library and go have yourself a ball. Have fun. But we're the, the, the evil ones for opposing this? We're the ones that deserve the score? We're the ones who get the hit pieces from, from uh, the plain dealer? Really? Well, if that's what it takes, then hit away. Go ahead. Use my name as often as you wish. Because I will be able to look into the eyes of children and say, I fought for you. I will be able to look into the eyes of kids and parents and say, I did uh, the small part that I could. Dakota Sawyer is doing the part that he can. Everybody who countersigned that letter to uh, Fran DeWine, we can all look at little kids and look at parents and say, we did what we could to protect you from this stuff, from the evils that they are pushing on you to try to warp you and groom you into little sexual beings at a very young age that they can then recruit into deviant sexual beings. So you hit, do all the hit pieces you want. I don't care. We're not going to stop doing what is right. 
It's 1052. I'll be back. Delivering you from the depravity Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. So I'm trying to uh, share during the break on my social media, and it's hard to do, especially on Twitter with uh, your character count being limited to 280 characters, but I'm putting it on my Facebook page as well. If we're Facebook friends, you can find it. Uh, I'll, I'll make it publicly available, too, but I have a... A link to the article in Cleveland.com, headlined, Some Conservatives Want to Ban, Quote, Pornographic, End Quote, Books in Schools, and They Want Fran DeWine's Help. They put pornographic in, in quotes uh, as if it's not pornographic, as if we're making it up, as if this is what we deem to be pornographic. Based on what you just heard on this radio program, and you can probably close your eyes and imagine the images that go along with the descriptions that I gave you, or that I played for you, rather. You tell me whether you think it's just, eh, it's just, it's in our heads, it's just in our viewpoint, it's pornographic. I think you pretty much know uh, that it is absolutely pornographic. But at any rate, um, I want to share this, and I want you to do the same. Because I want you to reach out to your legislators. And I want you to reach out to, the, to your slash our, and I hate to say it that way, but governor. Uh, we're reaching out to Fran DeWine, hoping that it shocks Fran DeWine into action. Hopefully seeing the images and the graphic language that I just played for you will shock her into smacking that little Napoleon upside his head and saying, Mike, what's the matter with you? Don't let this be in the schools. Ban this. And I don't know if Mike DeWine is a henpecked husband or not. I know that he's a little beta, but um, I don't know that Fran is anything other than very, very sincere and sweet and polite and uh, and kind. I have nothing negative to say about her at all. But in the event that she can somehow get his ear, I think it is worth the effort. That's why the letter was written. That's why I told Dakota last week, sign my name to it. I want to join the other values-driven conservatives who are, who are um, uh, you know, supportive of this. If it will help make it happen, that's what I want to do. So if you're following me on social media, on Facebook, just look for my name, Bob France, because uh, it'll be a publicly pu- public post. It won't be private. And then you can share it with everybody you can. If you're on Twitter, find me at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z, Rants, R-A-N-T-Z. And uh, share this with as many people as you possibly can. Share the story from the plane dealer, and then I will be in the first uh, comment of the comment section. I will be posting uh, the video from Florida, which equates to the same exact thing that we are saying here in the state of Ohio. Share this with your legislators. Share this with friends. Share this with some of your social media followers. And let's start a movement to bring decency back to our public schools. And it's not about LGBTQ or straight or anything like that. It is about decency, regardless of the type of indecency that they choose to promote. Coming up on News Time Now, we'll take that break here. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk to uh, we're going to talk to Hugh Brown. That's who we're going to talk to about the uh, ongoing fight uh, to embed abortion rights into the U.S. Constitution this November. What are we going to do to fight back against that? Noah Brown is going to be one of our leaders, and he's not even in Ohio, but he was here uh, two weeks ago at the Bringing America Back to Life convention, and he is a pro-life champion. We're going to talk to him on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Blackmail. Ukraine's government is calling for an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council. It's in response to Russian President Putin's plans to station tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus. 
Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu's judicial reform plan has set off a firestorm of protest all across the country. Israeli newspaper editor Amir Tibon tells the BBC nationwide demonstrations are taking a toll on every level of society. Tens of thousands of people were out in the streets and by midnight it was hundreds of thousands all over the country protesting and calling on the government to stop this legislation. And this morning, while it's not official yet, we are hearing reports that the Prime Minister is indeed going to announce at least a temporary halt of this legislation in light of these very widespread and impressive protests that we saw last night all over Israel. A federal disaster declaration approved for Mississippi where weekend tornadoes killed at least 25 people, devastating the small town of Rolling Fork and some nearby communities. FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell says safety remains a serious concern in the hard-hit areas. I just really encourage everybody to remain vigilant, stay cautious. There is a lot of hazards within this debris. And unfortunately, there's been so much loss of life, which is just heartbreaking. But we often see additional injuries and additional loss of life after a disaster because of the type of hazards that are in this debris. The death toll is seven in Friday's powerful explosion that leveled a chocolate factory in West Reading, Berks County, Pennsylvania. The number of fatalities rose to seven after two bodies were pulled from the debris. All of the missing now accounted for. On Wall Street, the Dow's up 132. More on these stories, townhall.com. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. Throughout my career, let's just say I've been in some hairy situations. And I believe right now the biggest threat facing Americans is they need to protect their wealth, which is exactly what I'm doing for my wife and six kids. And I believe the ultimate safe haven is physical gold and silver. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. The folks I use are Advantage Gold, and believe me, I've investigated the heck out of all types of people. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest-rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now, and you'll see how easy it is to protect yourself with precious metals. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. WHK. The Australian government is on the verge of implementing new, tougher environmental regulations. Previously, Australia was slow to embrace policies to tackle climate change, but a series of natural disasters has led to a shift in attitudes. The most eye-catching detail in this new deal concerns more than 200 of Australia's most polluting oil, gas and mining facilities. They'll have to cut their emissions by 5% a year until 2030. The accord was agreed by the governing Labour Party and the Greens, who had been holding out for tougher legislation. The Green Party said some new fossil fuel projects would now be unviable. The BBC's Michael Bristow. A nuclear-powered U.S. aircraft carrier and its battle group have started exercises with South Korean warships hours after North Korea fired two short-range ballistic missiles in apparent protest of the Allies' expanding military drills. Townhall.com. While President Biden is on the record as being opposed to capital punishment, 
His administration is pushing ahead with federal execution. An Associated Press review of dozens of legal filings shows President Biden's Justice Department is fighting just as vigorously as Donald Trump's did to uphold the sentences of death row inmates. Attorney General Merrick Garland did impose a moratorium in 2021. Although the pause is lifted, Garland has not authorized any new death penalty cases and reversed 27, but there are dozens more capital punishment cases being pursued by the Justice Department. I'm Jackie Quinn. The conference board issues its monthly consumer confidence report tomorrow. Analysts predict that the board's closely watched consumer confidence index dipped this month to 101.3 from 102.9 in February. More on these stories. Town Hall. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Friends on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three now underway, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. It's the 27th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. If you missed the conversations that I've had this morning with Congressman Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary, and also with Dakota Sawyer, you're going to want to hear those. Believe me, you're going to want to hear both of those conversations. They're going to be uh, posted on the podcast page at whkradio.com about an hour after the show. whkradio.com, check about 1 o'clock, and uh, make sure you hear what you missed. Uh, also, I made the posts that I promised I would make last segment. So on my Facebook page, which you don't have to be a Facebook friend of mine to see this because I made it a public post, uh, and then also on my Twitter page, uh, Facebook, it's Bob France. Twitter, it's France Rants. And uh, you're going to want to check it out because it's literally everything that I just described. Uh, I give you a synopsis of the Plain Dealer piece along with a link to the Plain Dealer article that criticized me as well as Dakota and others. Um, and then I gave you the video that Governor Ron DeSantis played for the press in Florida a couple of weeks back. So bad, so graphic. These images that the left believes is okay for the bookshelves of Florida students in their library bookshelves, on their cl- in their classroom bookshelves, these, these books and these images that are okay for kids, the press had to cut away from because they were too graphic for television. How about it? Same exact books are on the shelves in Ohio. And that's why we're reaching out to Governor DeWine through Fran DeWine to get something done. So uh, check those out on my uh, social medias. Twitter, it's France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z, Rants, R-A-N-T-Z, and, of course, just Bob France on Facebook. Now, let's um, pivot and maneuver just a little bit. We're still in the same wheelhouse, I think, with some of the things that we're discussing. 
But I want to welcome to the program a gentleman that I met and was really pleased to listen to back a couple of weeks back at the uh, Bringing America Back to Life conference hosted by Cleveland Right to Life. Uh, Hugh um, Brown is the executive vice president of an organization called the American Life League, or American Life League. He gave a tremendous presentation uh, talking about his experiences, talking about his family experiences, and he is a diehard warrior for life, particularly when it comes uh, to preborn children. Uh, the American Life League is online at all.org. I want you to check that out as you listen to its executive uh, vice president. Um, yeah, vice president. I almost messed it up with executive director. Executive vice president, Hugh Brown, who does join us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Hugh, good to talk to you again. How are you, sir? I'm well, Bob. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed meeting you as well. It was a great conference. Tell us all about American Life League. Well, you know, when I met you at the conference, uh, Molly Smith with, with Cleveland Right to Life had invited us many months ago to speak. And, you know, really the, the focus of that presentation, and I think the focus of the conference, the timing is critical because in Ohio, with what you're facing, uh, the ballot measure coming up to basically enshrine abortion into your state's constitution, along with other horrific things about the, the chemical castration of children, the elimination of parental consent, To me, what I see happening in my lifetime, Bob, and we're similar age, I think that the left, you know, their focus from day one, uh, the American Life League has been involved in the fight against abortion since prior to to Roe v. Wade in 1973. My mother founded the organization in the late 70s. I got involved in the fight in the late 60s um, when abortion was on the ballot, a state measure in the state of Washington, and we've been engaged ever since. What the American Life League is, is a no-exceptions, no-compromise organization. We're very much true to the tenets of the Catholic faith. We have many Christian supporters, many uh, supporters that may not have any faith whatsoever, because they understand that at the moment of our creation, a human being deserves the same right that you and I, the same rights that you and I have. And that, sadly, has spilled into many things. It's spilled into killing the sick. It's spilled over into protecting the elderly, who are now being euthanized. It is, it's just, it's a very, very sad time we live in. But as I said at the conference, it's a great time to be an American because we have the opportunity to stand. Uh, listening to the, uh, the promos that were playing before I spoke to you, I mean, this, this is the hour where courage is needed. This is where we have to stand for life, especially in Ohio. Um, it was, you know, made very clear at the conference that in the states, since the defeat of Roe versus Wade, abortion has not ended. In fact, Planned Parenthood has performed even more abortions. But when it comes to state measures, state ballots, and state constitutions, we're 0 for 6. So Ohio is the only one this, this year, 2023, the only state in the union where abortion is up for vote. And the voters have got to defend life. And what I was saying a moment ago, what the left aspires to, when, when I got involved in this, just listening as a kid growing up and my parents talking about it, they would talk about it isn't just abortion. This was the 1970s, 80s. I mean, I was a, I was a child. I remember <clears throat> the conversation that it's about the death of morality. It's about just the elimination of any boundaries. It's about the sexualization of children, about bestiality. I mean, they, they don't care, the other side. They just don't care. And what you just talked about, images that the news wouldn't even show. That's who these people are. And uh, to me, when I, because I'm also a football coach, as I mentioned, when, when I meet young people who um, are confused, these are not evil kids. These are not kids that are, 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 are have evil intent. They've been 
confused, intentionally confused by people, in my opinion, who are evil. How on earth would you willingly do that to a child? When it comes to abortion, listen, if you'll, if you'll cut up a human being, right, with, with, with surgical precision, so you can remove the parts, you can then sell the parts of this human being to a university, which is exactly what they do. How would you not then support the mutilation of a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 7-year-old who, you know, thinks that he, is, he or she is a different gender because they've been confused by the world? We've got to oppose this nonsense because if not us, who? I mean, the time is now, Bob. We've got to make a stand. I appreciate the opportunity to share that with you. Well, you could not be more right. And uh, what I loved in uh, your presentation was not just the information, but the sincerity in your voice. This means a lot to you. Obviously, you learned so much from your mother when she founded uh, American Life League. That's uh, that's a tremendous thing, and it's a great mantle that you have picked up and become a huge part of. Um, let me ask you, um, you laid out the challenge. You pointed out we're 0 for 6. We're talking about Ohio being uh, you know, a huge, huge you know, uh, uh, yardstick, maybe a measuring stick here if we can get this thing stopped in November. Um what is your confidence level right now that we have the momentum? Uh, do we have the momentum or are we swimming against it upstream against the forces that saw the end of Roe as being their flashpoint? And fine, you, 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 uh, anti-choicers, as they like to call us, uh, you, you anti-choicers don't want to have Roe? Fine. You want to return it all to the states? Fine. We'll go to all the states and all the states will make abortion far worse than it ever was. Uh, all the way up until the moment of birth, maybe even after the moment of birth, for any reason, unapologetically, don't need a health reason, etc. This is their mindset. Do they have the momentum on their side, Hugh? So, Bob, we have to be honest about this. So they are a Category 5 hurricane. That, that's what they are, right? The, the, the winds almost seem just not, not just that we can't advance, but that we have to retreat, because that's what they want us to, to believe, right? And they have the world on their side. They have, they have principalities and darkness on their side. Abortion is a demonic blood sacrifice. Right? I've made this correlation before. People take visits, and we watch television shows, and we're fascinated by these temples around the world, from the Aztecs, from, from the Central America, from over in the Middle East, from down in South America, and all of those. The common denominator is they were built to sacrifice human beings, Right. And we're still doing that today. So that in abortion bills, that blood sacrifice is very real. We've killed 70 million children through surgical and chemical abortions, and we don't know how many because of the pill and other things. Are you 46? Could be another 200 million. That comes at a cost spiritually. It comes at a horrible cost. So we are up against absolutely everything. They have the world. They have the media. They have entertainment. They have the politicians. They have money. But it doesn't matter. We have sincerity, we have truth, we have Christ, and I think it's not supposed to be easy. Right? That's what faith is. Faith is the ability to step into something. If it was a guarantee, we'd all do it. Right? But we've got to be able to step into the darkness with faith, faith, bring that light into the darkness, and battle this head on. And while they might have momentum, I think our opportunity and the challenge in Ohio, people listening to this now, people that follow you, they need to take it past their car. They need to take it past their computer or their phone, however they're listening to you. Speak in your church. Speak in your kid's library. Speak wherever you can speak. Speak in your child's classroom. Speak at your PTO. People have to realize the horror and the reality of what these ballot measures are. 
And you know, there is no right to murder people, right? I think when the founders of this country first, the very first words that they wrote, right, the right to life, liberty, and then the pursuit of happiness. But they, they understood the natural law. And that's what we've, we've drifted from. We've drifted, drifted from the thing written on all of our hearts. Everybody's got it, left, right, or indifferent. That murder is just wrong, right? And we have the right to life. And the fact that the left doesn't view a human being, and even some conservatives, sadly, in the womb as a human being, it's just a lie. It's a lie. You and I, we all started the same way. And we'll eventually all end up in the same place, uh, standing before the Lord for judgment. So we've got to fight this fight. And while they might have momentum, that's just, that's just a weapon of the enemy to demoralize us, and we have got to fight through that because, again, we have Christ on our side. So we need to feel invincible and just move forward with absolute faith, regardless of what we're up against, because lives are depending on it. And I believe Ohio should be the blueprint for the rest of the nation of how to defeat this massive corporation of evil that, again, includes everything the world has to offer, from entertainment to politicians. Let them have it. You know, they can have it all. We'll take them on. We'll take them on, and we just have to have faith and work through you know, what, what seems at times to be overwhelming. But, look, Roe versus Wade went down. right? That took 50 years of prayer and effort. Now in the States, we have to have the same faith and the same confidence and just move forward. We're talking with uh, Hugh Brown, the executive vice president of American Life League, and we're talking about the challenge before us. We all know what's coming up in November, the uh, ballot initiative. The language has already been approved uh, by the uh, uh, by the state of Ohio, so it's going to come down to getting uh, getting out the vote and uh, and defending and protecting life. But, Hugh, if you could, before you go, and I and great, by the way, your football coach uh, mentality comes out. <laughs> you sound like you're pumping everybody up for a, for a big game, and I love that. Um, so, so the other aspect of this that is uh, of great concern is not just the murder of of preborn babies, um, but it's the murder of the bodies, if you will. Anyway, you know the uh, uh, mutilation of bodies and the chemical castration of bodies and so forth. Because this bill uh, here in Ohio, or this, this language in this ballot in- initiative, would essentially uh, allow uh, children to. Uh, make radical, drastic decisions about changing their bodies, changing their genders, uh, you know, a nod toward either the social contagion that has grabbed them or the actual gender dysphoria that affects less than one half of 1% of, 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 of Americans. Um, but that's a big part of this, too. Um, if we if we lose this fight, not only do we lose the fight to defend preborn babies, we lose the fight to protect, uh, to, to protect uh, babies who have been born, young children who are being groomed into a lifestyle uh, of of uh, of confusion and and permanent uh, you know permanent permanent medical care. And that to me is it, it's just as demonic, Bob. I mean, you, as you just articulated, when you support mutilating a child in the womb. Why would you not support mutilating a child out of the womb? And that's exactly what this is. And this came to me yesterday. All right, you mentioned being a football coach. So yesterday here in Virginia, they had this massive seven-on-seven tournament, which is basically glorified flag football. And like you, I'm an old-school guy. I'd rather wind up to smash people. But you've got to do that with this generation. So we were there many times, thousands of kids. And somehow this topic came up with young men I don't even know, right? And they, because they were asking me, which I appreciate the opportunity to speak out. And here's, here's what came to me, because I pray about this often. Um, when, when we die, right? When we die, we, and we stand before the Lord, we're, we're not genderless, right? So when, you, when you're mutilating a human being, you and I are men, body and soul, 
right? That can't be changed. It can't be changed. And to do that to a child is, is, is a crime against humanity. I mean, I, I think those are offenses, and the people that are pushing this and then actually performing it, it should be punished to the fullest extent of the law because it's irreversible, right? And the suicide rate amongst these people that end up having these surgeries is, is, is dramatically higher than any other demographic. Why is that? It's not because they're being targeted for some type of, 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 of harassment. It's because internally they're dying because they've done something to themselves. that They have a moment of, 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 of an awakening, a reality. Oh, my gosh, what have I done? What a horrible place to be. So, again, there's no judgment. There's no, there's no finger pointing. There's nothing at people suffering with that. We need to help them 100%. But the people that are pushing this forward, to me, they're evil. They're evil, and they have got to be opposed. And the way that we oppose them, you've got to pray about everything. Yeah. But you also have to work, right? You've got to talk to your congressman. You've got to write letters. You've got to talk to your state senators. You've got to get involved in your kid's school. You have got to take action. The Lord doesn't put us here just to hope that somebody else works it out for us. I think that's what, since we've seen what happened to President Trump and, and, and what happened in politics in the last probably six years of what's going on, all that effort is to intimidate us and make us sit and be quiet and hope that somebody else figures it out, right? Can't be that guy. Can't be that woman. You, you, you've got to be the one. You've got to be the one that stands up and does something, even if it's just in your own community, right? The one or two people that you impact could change everything. We've got to take advantage of every opportunity. That's how we defeat this. We've got to overcome that fear of being labeled whatever it is they're calling us today, bigot, this, that, what, it doesn't matter. Stand up against it. it. It doesn't matter because God has put us here for a reason and a time. Got to take advantage of it. That's what we'll be held accountable to. Tell you what, that's a phenomenal uh, explanation, and and I love the marching orders because you're right. We can't just listen to it in, on the radio and you know hear it in our car, and then once we turn it off, okay, it's out of our mind. We have to become active. We have to do it at the local level, and we actually have to coordinate and organize with others. That's what this is all about. And maybe there's a great organization. Maybe there's a group that you can look to, like uh, the one that Hugh represents. Uh, I strongly encourage you to finding that uh, American Life League. Obviously, is available as I said at all.org. American Life. League. Hugh is the executive vice president. Hugh, thank you for fighting for life. Thank you for the great presentation you gave at bringing America back to life. And thank you for your time today. Appreciate what you're doing, my friend. Keep fighting. Thank you. God bless. All right, that's Hugh Brown. He's a terrific, terrific spokesperson for all things life, really. And his mother, by the way, tremendous story. His mother founded this uh, organization some 40 years ago. He has picked it up and run with it. All right, now. Since we know the challenge before us about stopping that ballot initiative in November, do we have the tools necessary to raise the threshold from 50% to 60% to amend the Ohio Constitution? We could, if we have the courage, if we have the, the drive to put this on the ballot in August, we could. But we've got a problem. The Speaker of the Ohio House of Representatives doesn't want to do it. Because it's part of a deal that he cut in order to get his own power, to get his own gavel. A deal he made with the Ohio Democrats. Jason Stevens is selling out the unborn. Every one of the gang of 22 is selling out the unborn. The preborn, 
all for their own power, all for their own committee positions, all for their own personal agendas. They were willing to do that. What are you willing to do in response? Well, John Stover and the good people at Ohio Value Voters have a response. I'm going to tell you about it after the news. Welcome back to Always Right Radio on The Answer. And this hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by my pair of kings, the floor king and keepingmedicaresimple.com with Mark King. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Last segment of the broadcast. I want to share this with you because it's extraordinarily important. I was just running down the, you know, the... uh, litany of problems that we have thanks to the split in the Ohio House of Representatives, which, of course, was caused by the Gang of 22 that stole the gavel from the caucus winner, Derek Merrin, and put it in the hands of a man who made a deal with the Demon Rats. There's no other way to say it. He made a deal with the Demon Rats to get his own power, and he then rewarded the 21 others with plum committee assignments and chairmanships and so forth. All for their own personal gain, they gave away the conservative supermajority that we have in this state and put power in the hands of the demon rats. I said, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to get this ballot initiative defeated in November? Well, one way would be to raise the threshold to change the amendment to the Ohio Constitution from 50% to 60%. Except that this current speaker, who earned his, well, let me rephrase, didn't earn who stole his power by selling out babies and by making the deal with the demon rats, Jason Stevens, doesn't want to have a vote to raise the threshold. So I said, what are we going to do? And I said, John Stover has an answer. The Ohio Value Voters Organization is leading the charge. And this letter was sent, and I want to share it's a release. I want to share it with you because it's going to call on you to do what Hugh Brown, my last guest, just talked about. Not just sitting there listening to the radio and complaining, but by doing something. So I want to read this direct message from Ohio Value Voters. I want you to understand what our mission is here. On January 3rd, Jason Stevens became Speaker of the House after obtaining the support of Democrats and 21 Republicans. At that time, Ohio Value Voters reported that deals were cut with the House Democrats by Stevens to obtain their votes and support. No one knew the specifics, but we now know that Stevens was willing to concede to the Democrats. I'm sorry, now we know what Stevens was willing to concede to the Democrats. Pardon. The Speaker promised to grease the skids for the Democrats, Planned Parenthood, and their affiliates to pass an Ohio constitutional amendment for radical abortion rights in the state of Ohio. As reported by Cleveland.com on March 23rd, Stevens is attempting to cite the cost associated with the special election in August. The August election will give Ohioans the right to vote on setting that 60% threshold to make it tougher to amend the Ohio Constitution by the radical left and abortionists. It's important to note that Stevens traveled to Florida on January 17th and 18th for a golf fundraiser when he had an opportunity to call a House session and pass the 60% resolution there to avoid the need for a special election in August. Instead, 
He left the state to rub elbows with lobbyists and special interest groups. Ohio Value Voters urges you to cunt, and so do I, to contact Speaker Stevens and urge him to pass the 60% constitutional amendment resolution to place this on the August ballot. Contact his office by phone and email and leave a brief message. Pass the 60% constitutional amendment resolution for a special election on August 8th. And I've got an email address, and I've got a phone number. And I'm going to use one of them right now. The email address for you to use is jason.stevens, and it's Stevens with a PH, not a V, jason.stevens at ohiohouse.gov. Very simple. Right? The phone number is 614-466-1366. Let me see if I can do that again. It's 614-466-1366. What do you say? We check to see if it works. Now, I tried this during the break, and it took about six or seven rings before we get the the machine. So I'm going to bide my time here until we get it again, but I'm going to do exactly what all of us must do by the thousands. We need to leave that message for Jason Stevens. Hello, this is Jason Stevens, state representative for the 93rd District, covering Gallia, Jackson, Lawrence, and Benton counties. Sorry I'm unavailable. Please leave a message, and we'll return your call as soon as possible. Thank you. Record your message at the tone. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Speaker Stevens, please do your duty and pass the 60% constitutional amendment resolution for a special election on August 8th. There it is. Done. Do it. Thousands and thousands of Ohioans need to make their voices heard. That was the phone side. I will also send an email. You should do that, too. Jason.Stevens at OhioHouse.gov. Do not let them put this initiative on the ballot with only a 50% threshold. Do not allow it to happen. If it does, there is a very, very strong chance we will lose. And if we lose, it will cost lives, countless, countless numbers of lives. I'm not overstating that. I'm not being dramatic. I'm not being hyperbolic. That's reality. Own it. Navy man Norm is calling us from Strongsville. Norm, thanks for waiting. Go ahead, sir. Great minds think alike, Bob. <clears throat> I just sent out an email with all that information to at least 50 of our uh, neighbors and friends. Yesterday, my wife, myself, and two other folks uh, were at the Strongsville Library the rosary in front of the 17 petitioners that were trying to gather signatures. Our biggest apathy, Bob, I'm going to be very candid, apathy and indifference on the part of our friends and our neighbors. You would think that out of two Catholic parishes in Strongsville, St. John Newman and St. Joseph's, which probably total a population, I'm going to guess, probably between 10 and 12,000 parishioners that more than four people would show up to counter these 17 pro-abortion, pro-infanticide petitioners. It's sad, it's sickening, and we must, must change this. 
Well, you're obviously correct. We must do exactly that. And, um, and, and Norm, I'm glad to know that you're out there fighting, too, and I'm glad you're sending the message to other people. That's exactly what I'm asking everybody else to do as well. Uh, it is extremely important. And thank you, Norm, for the call. It's extremely important to have a united front here. And when I say united front, what I mean is we need to let them know, them being our legislators, and in particular the Speaker of the uh, of the Ohio House, we need to let them know that we will hold them accountable. We will absolutely ruin their political careers if they do if they allow this uh, a ballot initiative to go unchecked, and if they allow us to lose, and if we they allow and sacrifice tens of thousands of babies' lives per year by this radical in some of the most barbaric ways possible, because under this language. We're talking about, again, second and third trimester abortions. We're talking about the most barbaric things that you can do to a defenseless child. If they allow this to happen because uh, because Jason Stevens wanted power and because he and his uh, 21 cronies uh, made a deal with the devil, otherwise known as the demon rats, uh, it'll be the last election they ever win. That's what we need to make it very, very clear. It'll be the last time you ever win an election, and it'll be the last time we ever allow you to, quote-unquote, represent us, if you're going to represent uh, the Democrats and their goals instead. So send that message. I'll give it to you again. Uh, The email address is jason.stevens at ohiohouse.gov, and the phone number to call, like I just did, with a simple message, 614-466-1366. Tell him to pass the 60% constitutional amendment resolution for a special election on August 8th. Must happen. Thanks to Jim Jordan. Thanks to Dakota Sawyer. Thanks to Hugh Brown. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to my team for running the show. Hope you have a great day. Be well, be safe, stay free. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Let's go, Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.